everybody, the SWP is brought to you by All Insurance Ontario and Jim K. Ford, where you can custom order your next Ford vehicle to ensure you get the exact vehicle you want at the right time. Easy steps. Jump online at jimkford.com, select your vehicle, choose your model, trim, and options. Then the Jim K. Ford team will contact you to confirm your selections and pricing and answer all your questions before your order is placed. Easy as that. Your vehicle created your way. Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or jimkford.com. Do you ever wonder how to answer the questions your insurance company is asking? What do they really want to know? Like I drive to work, but only twice a week. Let me deal with it for you. I'm literally an expert. I'm on your side virtually for free. Text me, Jared Gerard, 613-801-2659. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. SWP with Steve Warren and Jim Jerome. Ottawa Sports Talk every weekday. You're the winner. It, this was a competition. And yeah. more important than me being the winner is you being the loser. Or even more important <laughs> is being a loser. <laughs> How right? dare so you? Me- loser doesn't really tie you to this event as much just, as it's just even a more profound insult i just got in for men's league hockey and we won i'll have you know so i'm no loser my mom I says i'm a loser i just uh, came back from my ottawa west little league practice rookie practice oh how'd that go oh great yeah um we're in the summer league now i coach the rookie all-star team my son is on it thank god for that because that would have been awkward Although mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's brown, so he's one of the top players, obviously. <laughs> and uh, am I supposed yeah, to laugh at that? Fun. I don't know. I, I think you're allowed. Okay, good. And uh, yeah, he's so smooth. But no, we're having uh, a lot of fun. And I moved my five-year-old. I was coaching head coach for T-ball as well in the spring, and then you know, baseball is like spring and then summer. You might remember that. Yes. And then uh, we said, okay, I'll come into T-ball again because Nicholas is very shy and reluctant to participate in life. And then the first time we went to the summer T-ball, I'm like, he's maxed out on T-ball. Like, you know, he's making force plays at second base. And T-ball, kids run to the wrong base while they're shitting in their pants. So uh, please make sure this doesn't go on the air. (laughs) Is he sliding into second? Sliding into Uh, second but cleats up? Well, some of the kids have cocaine in their back pocket, so they slide in head first. That was bullshit, and, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. The whole Tim Raines thing. That's it had to be. BS. Yeah, no one have cocaine in their back pocket. So nobody's nobody's yeah. that addicted that they got to wear it in a major league baseball game. I know, and it could fall out. Anyway, so yeah. Nikki's playing rookie B, which is fun. So he just started. He's a little tiny five year old kid on this team with seven and eight year olds, but right, he's he's having fun. So you know, I love baseball. You're outdoors. Uh, everyone has a chance to shine, which is great. So right now we're. Uh, I should probably intro the show because we've, uh, we, we're, we're, I don't know, we're an hour into the show now and I, nobody knows what's going on. This is the SWP. It's a podcast that goes off every single weekday. It's all about sports and whatever. And you're hiding behind your nameplate there, by the way. We're using a new application. So your big giant nameplate, Eric Macromallow, with all your titles are on it. And so I can't see your face, your lovely face behind it. Uh, Jimmy's away today. So I said to myself, who's smart? Who is the legal background to talk about all this Hockey Canada mess and other things? And then the light bulb went off. I said, here's a fantastic chance to catch up with my good pal, Eric Macramala. He's a lawyer. He's sassy. He's wealthy. He's affable. 
And just like Lionel Hutt's attorney at law, you may know him from such radio shows as Offside on the TSN Radio Network, 80s TV addict, ravenous fantasy football player, and a massive Expo fan just like me. We have so much in common, and yet, no golf, no beers, no getting our families together at dinner. I blame you. There's a lot there in the intro. and yeah, There's a lot you know, to unpack. As you know, I, I love to focus on things that don't matter. So number one, I like how you describe me as wealthy and not rich because rich means you have a lot of money. Wealthy is a state of mind. It's right. it's the way you live. It's the way you look down on people. <laughs> That's wealthy. And you do that. Uh, yeah, oh, of course I do. That's the whole idea of having money is to make people feel bad about not having it. Yes, of course That's, it is. So when I bought my new car, I looked at all the cars on the street and I made sure mine was the most expensive car on the street right. because I want them to think that no matter how good they think their life is, they have failed in some respect because right. I'm driving by their house in a more expensive car. That's, that's what life is about, making other people feel bad about their choices. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And I do because, you know, you, know, you and I have been friends for, I got, must be 20 years now going yeah. on, and uh, you were just a lawyer when we met, and now you have so far surpassed my radio career so now in both fields, think that's even close to being the truth. In both fields, you're just <laughs> wrecking me right now. But uh, anyway, we carry on all the same. As you know, I was thinking about it today when you when you texted me from prison asking me to help you out sure. to, to, to post your bail. I was thinking to myself, as I get older, there are fewer and fewer people that are friends that I want to see. <laughs> the sense of urgency seems to go away. But I was thinking, you know what? I, I think I would still want to see Steve. So I, I think we're still in that sweet spot. It's my exciting to me. My favorite part was when we got together during the whole COVID thing. And it was like, uh, it was just starting to let up, I think. And people were starting to feel okay about it. And we just basically... We're in these tiny little chairs in your driveway, separated by, I think, 80 feet. Oh, I forgot feet. about that. Yeah. Yes. We each had a megaphone. Eric, how are you doing? <laughs> Tell me about the family. What's new? And it was just a great night. And we did that for about five hours, I think it was. It was, it was so That was COVID. a lot of fun. That was, I, th- I have a photo of that. That's, nice. I even presented that to the judge to say that you're a nice person. And then we had lunch. I thought, uh, no, we didn't have that. We'd had lunch before COVID. And right. then we, we golfed together. And I want to apologize for how I played. I just, with my two young boys, I mean, I, I barely get to golf anymore. And, um, I'm awful now. Like I'm worse. I haven't golfed once. I've turned down two offers to golf because it's not because I'd be embarrassed. I don't want to kill anybody. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I understand that. I wanted to quit the game completely. And this is how stupid golf is. So I played for about two years and I'm hating it more and more and I'm getting worse and worse. And then about a month ago, it dawned on me. What if I tried like putting a little more weight on my, like, like maybe one pound of weight more on my front foot yeah. and suddenly I'm hitting it like a God. Like that's golf in a nutshell. You move well, your which thumb. Kind? Like Zeus? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. That, but but that's golf in a nutshell. You move your thumb a millimeter, suddenly you're terrible. Or you move it back the other way, suddenly you're great. It's dumb, but I love it so much. I love it so much. We Do you love it? Out. Yeah. How many times have you golfed this summer? Or spring and summer, sorry. Uh not nearly enough in the new world of Steve Warren Media, which is uh I don't know, about ten different hats, all of which I'm enjoying everything I'm doing. But uh, as I try and filter out exactly what I enjoy the most and, and, and figure things out, I'm, I'm doing way too much. I'm, I'm working way too many hours. And so uh, golf is hats, suffered. Is it, is it a top? Do you have a top hat as part of the collection of hats? <laughs> I can see you pulling off a top hat. Yes. I wear it. It also a, give you height. You know, yeah, true. I could use it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody wears top hats anymore. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll be the guy. I'll be the pod. Like Gary Ox got the bow tie when he goes on TSN. Maybe I'll be the top <laughs> be hat podcast. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, the top hat will become the anchor of your podcast, and you'll become famous around the world, very much like I am famous around the world. Yeah. Maybe, maybe doing I'm these not, things. but whatever. Yeah. So you're dominating the legal world and the whole trademark space. And you're doing all the radio stuff. How many stations is Offside on? Well, just three since we lost a couple. Oh. Yeah. I, so maybe you're not as dominant as I thought. No, the stations are gone. <laughs> oh, there's that. Yeah, right. yes. The station's not there. The Good show point. can't air on it. Well, uh, I, I, hear, I hear that these stations are now stand-up comedy stations. So maybe you could yeah. still streamline your show into the comedy realm no i see yeah, that's just well, me if you play my show with a laugh track it would be fine now uh, yeah True. it airs in the three cities vancouver montreal and edmonton mm-hmm. and then it it apparently does okay when it comes to downloads which was a surprise to me because I, I always assume that no one listens to it but then you know we all look at our own car and focus on the scratches and what m- makes it not great or nice or attractive but Mm-hmm. You know, look at someone else's car and you you seem to have more admiration for it than yours, even if it's in worse shape. Um, but the show does OK. I mean, it's been on for a long time. It's 11 or 12 years. So after a while, people just listen because it's kind of like herpes. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> There's an antibiotic you can get for the offside program. Good listeners. So it's available on iTunes. Look for that. Yeah, look for the that. antibiotic. Yeah. So what, I, a little bit about you, uh, for those who don't know, because lots of people listen to you for a while. Uh, so what brought you exactly to Ottawa? You're a Montreal guy, three and three. You love all the Montreal teams. What brought you to Ottawa? Was it the job? How long have you yeah, been here? And I, was it the job? Uh, so I applied for an articling job at Gowling's, where I am now, and that was 23 years ago in 1999. And they offered me a job, and it's Gowling, so you don't really turn that down, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been there ever since. It's, it's a great place to work. Really, really good people. And it is like anything else in life. It is what you make it. And, right. Um, you know, you control, I believe, your outcome. And Gallings is a good place to um, focus on goals and outcomes. If that makes any sense, it sounded very very kind of amorphous and nebulous. I don't even know what those words mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so but I like it. Yeah, I, I like it too. It's very salubrious, promoting good health and or welfare. Yeah, no, the bigger words, I love the big words. It doesn't matter if there's any definition at all, as long as it sounds smart. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care, really. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if I'm not mistaken, was it, was it the, the Tony Greco show? Like, was that your first foray into radio where you started? Like, what made you start sliding over to the radio side was, because we had you on, I remember, and you were working a little bit with Tony at the time, and we had the Tony Greco fitness show that I think started must have been me 20 years ago, whatever it was. Yes. Um, was that where you kind of slid in? Sugar is white days? death, right? And I kept telling him, sugar is not white death. The Ku Klux Klan is white death. Yeah, well, they're both, in a way, white yeah, death. Yeah, they are. Yeah. No, I first met you at at the station um, to do a segment on Tony Greco's show. Right. Yeah, that's and so I, I picked up Tony Greco as a client when I was in my first year. He had the one location. And we talked about elevating to brand and then franchise and the whole thing. But that's where I met you. No, the, the way I got on the radio was different. Being a big baseball fan, and you're a huge Expos fan too, is I think when you're a baseball fan, you have a really special relationship with radio. It's just because it's, it's just there are so many games and it's just such a part of your life. 
And I always just wanted to be on the radio, to be honest with you. And But a lot of people want to do that. So I put together a one or two page proposal to team 1200 at the time. And I said, look, the, the NH three sports are going to lock out the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL. Lance Armstrong, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens, we have one perjury charges, something close to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the score. So we need something more. Hey, how about a, a sports legal analyst, which didn't exist? And to my <laughs> shock and so, awe, awe and surprise, or shock and awe, I got a call within a couple of days to come in. And then I was on the air a couple of days later talking about Patrice Cormier's uh, elbow on Michael Tam that sent him the convulsions in the queue and whether that was a crime or not. And sports law doesn't exist. That's the sad thing. So you have to learn everything. Um, it's just the laws that applies to sports. But that's how I got started, Steve. That's And then the big first case was the Kovalchuk case. The circumvention right. of the cap, the 11-year deal with five throwaway years on the back end. We certainly want to talk about uh, the story that's dominating the hockey headlines this summer. And and it's, I mean, we we already had a bunch of unbelievable headlines with particularly here in Ottawa with everything the senators did you know you love the Habs and what they did at the draft was shocking to a lot of people but this hockey Canada thing with so many layers to it and honestly it's it's really hard to talk about without knowing all the facts I'm sure you've been how many interviews would you say you've done on this hockey Canada thing in the last little while too many and I say too many only because I don't really like talking about it because some of the things I say can make people uncomfortable. Right. But I'm just trying to provide the legal angle, like I did with Deshaun Watson. Although that case is so foregone, it's so far gone now. I don't think there's any room for uh, interpretation. There. There's no gray area. But yeah, no, I've done a lot, but it's it's a tough one to talk about. Yeah, you want to be, because I mean, you don't know all the facts. And uh, until you, I mean, there's, I feel like there are at the end of this whole discussion and when all the smoke is cleared from this, that there will be people that you'll want to blame, but at this stage, we don't know who they are at the, uh, but I see on, I mean, you're a ravenous Twitter user like I am. I'm, I'm sure you're seeing on Twitter right now, bordering on disgusting some of the dialogue that's out there. I mean, man, what happened to innocent until proven guilty, just burying people for this and that. And, and they're, mm-hmm. well, you don't even know what their actions were, Eric. No. And I think that's the part that, um, might make some people uncomfortable, but let's just look at what we know, you know, and from a legal standpoint, your, your, your starting point, Steve, is that consent is a defense to this type of act. So if she alleges she was gangrene, uh, if she consented to it, then it's not rape. Okay. So consent, consent, consent. That's what Deshaun Watson is, is that's his defense in part when it comes to the massage therapist, they consented to the sexual acts that they ended up doing. Uh, so if there's consent, then, um, that's a defense. So we've seen some of the text messages and, you know, transcriptions from the videos, and there is an argument at least that there was consent that was provided. Now, who knows if she withdrew that consent, if there, if it was obvious that the consent had been withdrawn without saying those words, that's, I think, an important element of the case. And that's an answer that we're not going to have, but everybody's jumping on one side of this case and doing so pretty aggressively. And from my standpoint, at least I don't have enough information, enough evidence at this point to make a declaration either way as to whether a wrong was committed or not. But there is a reflex now and it's driven by social media. There's a reflex to jump on one side of a story and to side with a complainant. And she may well have been raped. I don't know. 
But the point I'm making is, at this point, the public doesn't know either. And who knows if we're going to know? Who knows? Right. So I, I think that's the issue that I'm seeing with this story. And I, to the extent that the media is doing a good job with it, I, I don't know if they are. There's such fear with in media to cover a story objectively because people are so afraid of the backlash on social media and they don't want to be canceled either. So it's kind of a vicious circle. I want everybody to be okay at the end of the day. Um, and that, uh, that's, that's sort of what I look at it. It's like, I, I want, I want justice to be served. I want, I want everybody to be okay. And uh, I just, th- that's what it comes down to. I think there's so much fear in the media, not just with this story, stories across the board, anything that's sensitive Mm-hmm. Uh, people on social media have made their mind up 100%. They've looked at the story, sometimes not even that well. They make their mind up, and anybody that goes against their narrative that they've decided in their minds, they will seek to destroy. Not just a quick reply on social media, but get up on their sponsors and, and really go after them. Like, like you, you know, they stab their mom or something like that. It, it's the venom that's unbelievable to me. And so let, let, let's walk through it. Let's walk through the whole thing because I've got the whole timeline here. You mentioned a lot of it there, but for those who don't know the full story and this will take probably 60 seconds, let me go through it though. So January, 2018 team Canada wins gold of the world juniors. I know this is covered ground for a lot of you. So I apologize. Five and a half months later, there's a hockey Canada foundation gala and golf event at that event. A CHL player takes a woman home. Eight CHL players end up in a room with her. Don't know how they got there. Some of them played for Team Canada. We don't know how many. We don't know who. The next day, the woman's stepfather complained to police that she was sexually assaulted by eight players. Both the London Police and Hockey Canada opened investigations. The London Police closed their investigation eight months later with no charges. A year later, a year and a half later, I should say, in September 2020, Hockey Canada closed their investigation as the woman did not want to talk to police or Hockey Canada. According to TSN... They also had video of the woman during and after the incident where she gave consent or appeared to give consent and text the next day where she said she had given consent. So both investigations are closed. A year and a half later, in April of this year, the woman sues for $3.5 million naming Hockey Canada, also um, the CHL, and the players involved. A month later, in May of this year, Hockey Canada settles out of court. TSN reports that a few weeks later. And we learned that Hockey Canada has maintained a fund that draws on minor hockey membership fees to pay for uninsured liabilities, including sexual abuse claims. So that's kind of where we are right now. And I certainly think, without knowing everything that happened in the incident itself, certainly what Hockey Canada has done here with having a fund like that that draws on parents' minor hockey membership fees to pay for out of court settlements like this, that to me, I don't know. It seems fairly clear cut as inappropriate. What do you think? Yeah. Well, that, I think that's, that's the issue. Hockey Canada investigated the matter. The police investigated the matter, elected not to press criminal charges. Hockey Canada didn't have subpoena power. They still don't. They can't force someone to submit to a deposition and give sworn testimony. So I think in part, the concern here, what is alarming is, is where that, where those settlement funds came from, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, this happens two or three times a year, according to testimony given for the House. And there isn't a robust program in place 
educational program, information program um, to address this stuff before it potentially happens. Hockey Canada is part of our DNA, Steve. It's yeah. Um, I have two boys, two young boys, eight and five in hockey, and so Hockey Canada seems seemingly is plastered everywhere. This brand has been so profoundly tarnished, and part of it is that the fees that I'm paying are being used to settle with someone who alleged she was gang raped. That's a problem. The connective tissue is just it's 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 too clear here. It's too salient, and that's a problem. Yes, it's a Hockey Canada has got a long road ahead. Everyone's going to have to be cleaned out and bring in new people. I suspect someone who's well-known, who's famous, who's credible, a Wayne Gretzky type, not saying it's him, but someone with that level of credibility, and they're going to have to rebuild the brand. I work for brand owners, um, and uh, I've seen some brands sink uh, for far less than this. So what's changed now? Hockey Canada had their own investigation, and that's a couple of years ago now. London police, not that long after the incident itself, they had an investigation, and in both cases, they were closed. Now they're both reopening their investigations. There's obviously massive backlash, massive public pressure. So are we expecting a different result? Are we expecting them to take in exactly the same evidence they did before? Because they did have this video. In both cases, they they had all the video. They had all the texts in the original investigations. Are we expecting anything different because of the public backlash? It's funny. I wasn't asked this question on the station, but I ended up going there. And I remember ending the segment with saying, if you're expecting a different result, you might be disappointed. Uh, Look, when the police investigated the matter, they elected not to press charges. Why is that? Because for them, the test is, is there a likelihood that they will secure a conviction at trial? Is it likely that that's going to occur? If the answer is no, they're not going to pursue the matter. So they felt they didn't have sufficient evidence. There might not have been a rape kit. Um, they may have been aware that she indicated she had consent. And if these are her words, this then becomes difficult to dispute, you know, by way of court proceedings, right? So they elected not to pursue it. But it doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? Because we have to be clear about one thing as well, is that she may have withdrawn her consent at one point in time. After the fact, she may have been embarrassed and said she consented. She may have felt pressured, but that may not be what happened. That's tough to prove. It also might difficult to prove within the current parameters, which are pretty narrow because no one has subpoena power. The NHL doesn't have subpoena power and Hockey Canada doesn't have subpoena. You can't force people to testify. So that's why Hockey Canada said if you don't submit, then you can't participate in any Hockey Canada activities. Well, big deal. If your hockey career is effectively done, that's not going to matter. Maybe you'll miss it, you know, in alumni events somewhere. You hang out in the parking lot. It's probably going to be enough. And the NHL can apply some pressure, but legally they can't do much. And if they discipline a player, or that discipline doesn't see substantiated, that then the, that player can sue the league for defamation. It, this is not an easy case. This isn't a straight line from A to B at all, Steve. And the the mitigating factors here are, are statements that she made that act as a defense to all the men involved. Again, it may not be the case, but if you're the prosecution, Steve, I'll ask you, based upon all that you've read, do you file criminal charges based upon the test that I set out? I hate to even declare what I feel about it because of all the social media backlash because so many people have made their minds. But again, I don't want anybody to be hurt, and I want want to look at this thing objectively. 
but but with the facts that I've got presented, it certainly would appear that consent was given. And, and I hate to. I'm not uh, gonna, here. Let, well, let I'm me get let me help that. you out here. Let me help you out. Even if consent wasn't given, is there enough of that evidence? No, because it's offset by her statements. That's the issue here. Even if she, even if consent was somehow not provided, if it was 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 withdrawn at some point, her statements make it very difficult, or make it challenging at least, without further evidence, to displace the defense of consent. So, I mean, I watch a lot of crime shows. I mean, I hear the term "beyond a reasonable doubt" all the time, mm-hmm. and it feels like. I mean, I'm not sure if it's worded that way in Canadian law, but it feels like there is reasonable mm-hmm. doubt here. I mean, if you're objective, you have to look at it. You know, it may be all this consent may be, you know, wiped out by the fact maybe she had had way too much to drink and that erases all the, you know, all the consent mm-hmm. that was given or whatever it is. But it, I have reasonable doubt, honestly, looking at things objectively. Is that is that at play in this decision? Yeah, I, the, I, the, the test is, is it beyond a reasonable doubt that a crime occurred? This is a high standard. It's like 80%. Basically, the jury has to be convinced that something unlawful occurred. It's not like a civil lawsuit. You sue for money on balance of probabilities. You need a 51% chance that the defendant did something wrong. But balance of, beyond a reasonable doubt, it's a much higher standard. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's, it's challenging without more evidence to conclude that something unlawful occurred. It may have. But it turns on the evidence. So we don't have all the evidence before us. And maybe something else will be will be revealed, Steve. Yeah. I don't know. But here's the thing. More generally, I'm comfortable saying to you in a case like this that I don't know. And not as a lawyer, just as a regular person. I don't know. So I can't make any declarations or conclusions that someone's the devil or not the devil or whatever it is. Because I don't know. Now, as a lawyer, if I'm saying to you, I don't know, you don't know either. I'm sorry. And the listeners and those on social media going berserk, they don't know. This is not a moment, a personal moment for someone on Twitter to feel better about, better about themselves. This isn't the moment for them. And for me, these moments tend to manifest as selfish moments for some of these end users online, these account holders, because they they just they 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 seem to grab on to to any any event and use that event to make themselves feel and look better. It's not about them. It's about the women in this case and the men in this case. I don't know what happened. And my God, if she was raped, obviously that's, it's awful. You have a daughter. I mean, I have two sons, but you know, it's, it's awful. Punished to the fullest extent of the law. If, If that's proven punished to the fullest extent of the law, I just look at, I, I, I feel comfortable saying that I'm, I'm, I mean, I think that when the smoke clears, I will look at this case and at the very least be completely grossed out by the behavior. I mean, if you're taking video in a session like that, you know, in your heart of hearts that you're doing something inappropriate, mm. but it, with the, with the angle of consent added in, is it criminal? That's, that's for the investigations to decide. But uh, all right. In, in ter- last thought. Yes. There's a million thoughts on this thing. So many layers. Um, social media going upside down as to some players are, 
you know, declaring, hey, I wasn't part of this. And some guys are getting buried because they're being silent. Should anybody be getting buried or being cleared based on what they say on social media? Case isn't litigated on social media. Maybe the court of public opinion is. Right. But you need a significant aggregate of of negative comments or comments on, on one side to get some traction. We've seen it happen a lot of times. Uh, but it's not that's not where it's litigated. And if, this is not going to be litigated in any event. There's no civil lawsuit that's been settled. There's no criminal or no criminal charges. You can't bring criminal charges now. I mean, memories decay plus your sexual limitations, but mm-hmm. memories decay. It's been four years, right? Or they degrade. So that's always an issue. She's, you know, stated she provided her consent. So she needs to provide testimony where she says, well, I didn't mean that. And here's the reason why. And then you, then you assess whether she's credible or not, but that's really difficult under these circumstances. Um, I, maybe it's easier for me to say, but I don't really care very much what I see on social media, Steve, uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, because I can tell you over 12 years, it's almost always entirely wrong. Because no one has done their due diligence. Even go back to Deflategate. You know, three of the four cold spalls were underinflated too. No one talks about that. Why? That was in the Wells report, page 422. Right? right? If you don't do your due diligence, I guess that's the epidemic we have now. It's a dangerous combination. Stupid people with strong opinions. That's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, read. read. You know, re- if you're going to have strong opinions, that's fine. But do, like you said, do your due diligence, read about it, find out all the facts, and then come out swinging. I'd say 90% of the people who come out swinging do so without the facts. My buddy Dave there, we were talking at the bar last night, and Dave said this and that, and I'm going to war with that and nothing else. Come on. Come on. Well, I mean, the world operates in a gray area. And so what I have found is those who do do, do their due diligence may not necessarily have very strong opinions. Because once you do it, and if you have the, the capability to assess and distill, then you realize that it's never a simple answer, like, like the lift tour. It's not a simple, the players are evil. No, that's not how this is working. Um, you know, and so I guess, yeah, I, I do agree with you. It's a great point, though. Uh, one of my 500 hats that like, I talked about professionally right now is working city communications. And I see on social media all day long people going after municipal politicians. What a joke. You know, they're terrible. They're all on the take. They're you know lazy. I see all the communications in the background. I see all the legwork and decision making that has to be made. And like your point, if, if, if you do all that research and, and see what's going on behind the scenes, and, and get your facts, it kind of calms you down. You see what's actually going on. I'm not that fired up, largely because I see the work going in, and it's usually work that I wouldn't want to do. And so that just kind of backing up your point there, I guess. At the end of yeah, the- no, people seem to have an exaggerated sense of justice when they haven't done their due diligence. That's kind of what I've noticed. When we come back on the show, a little expose talk and some final thoughts. You've heard a lot from me over the last three years, and I think I can help you. My goal is to save you money, and I'll make it easy, too. I won't waste your time with 25 questions about whether you got your G1 on a Tuesday or a Friday. Text QUOTE to 860-6008 to get started. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Everybody knows that Jim K. Ford is a fantastic choice to handle your automotive needs, but they're also a full-service commercial and fleet dealership. 
They supply companies in the Ottawa area with work trucks of all shapes, sizes, and functionalities, from small delivery vans right up to the big F-750s. Whether you're in towing, landscaping, or deliveries, Jim K. Ford will help you with the right truck customized for your needs. JimKFord.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. And if you need help navigating this wild Ottawa housing market, call the Glen Walton Real Estate Team. For sellers, Glen services include staging, painting, cleaning, and of course, negotiating all the offers coming in. For buyers, Glen has all the expertise to help you land your dream home when competing with a lot of other offers out there. So, if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, contact Glen today, glenwalton.com. When are our expos coming back? That's the big question, I think. Scale of 1 to 10, are we getting our expos back ever? Well, I'll never say never, uh, but I would say no. I would say, look, back in 2014... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Are, you, are you ignoring my scale of 1 to 10 right now? Just Zero. Or oh, uh, 1. 1 being unlikely? 1 seems too high. I'll say 2.8. Um, that's to account for the possibility... Um, Anything in life is possible. The uncertainty in life, as I always tell my kids, is uncertainty. I also tell my kids, daddy's love is conditional, and I'm hard to please, but that's a whole separate issue. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, back in 2014, when I wrote about this at Forbes, I said, we're Montreal's getting a team by way of expansion. And Manfred was saying, it's only relocation, but that was an obvious ploy to apply pressure on the incumbent market to do, to build stadiums for the teams that were there. And then eventually, a couple of years later, he said, yeah, expansion is possible. And then Montreal became a possible target for expansion. Then you had this nonsensical, transparent, ill-conceived attempt by Stuart Sternberg to gain leverage in the incumbent market by proposing a joint custody arrangement with Montreal. To me, the questions that never the question that was never asked is, why was the Montreal group pursuing this arrangement? Because they would only get the team in 2027 when the use or lease agreement in Tampa was was up. So why would they wait six years for half a team when you can wait six years at most for an expansion team? Right. Well, then that begs, that would suggest that it's one of two scenarios. They've been told you're not getting an expansion team or they don't want to pay the money. It's one of the two. When Brofman gave his final, you know, press conference on this, announcing that it had died, and oh boy, was I shocked about that. Uh, there was no talk about the future. And I was emailing a reporter who's really good. I said, ask him this, please. He goes, well, it's implied. I'm like, really? Sports reporting, you guys ask the dumbest questions in the world. I, you know, hey, do, do you like to skate? Yeah, I do. I play hockey. So uh, didn't if you're a tree, what, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> so, but the, the bottom line is there was no talk about expansion at that, at his press conference. Hmm. And then again, the whole scenario as to why you would even pursue this rather astonishing joint custody arrangement, all of that to me, distilling it down, Steve, means. No expos. And yeah, it breaks my heart. Of course it does. My son's, eight-year-old son's spring rookie baseball team, they named themselves the Expos. I got them some uh, some practice uh, jerseys, Expos, I found in Toronto, mm-hmm. put their names on the back. They love their jerseys, you know, like their mesh jerseys. They're they're beautiful. So anytime I can, you know, I, I'm friends with Cromarty and we'll FaceTime. He's in Tokyo. He just had a baby, believe it or not, 68 what? years old. How yeah, old is he? 68 he had a baby wow. when he was 67 well he didn't have the baby and I, I love the expos you know when i was when i was co-hosting last week all week from 10 to 2 on 690 uh sean campbell who i co-hosted with the entire week did me a solid 
he made Friday Expos Day for four hours. So we got we talked Expos for four hours. Nice. And it wasn't close to enough. Okay, so we'll go out. I'm going to play the uh, famous Expos theme. So if I'm to lobotomize the parts of your brain that remember the Expos, except for one part, what part will you insist on keeping? I guess that's a long about way of saying, what's your favorite Expo memory? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. That was like Barbara Walters weird. on steroids. I, I guess I do want to lobotomize. You are too smart uh, for How me. How is she so. still alive? I don't know. I don't okay. know. Because she went downhill pretty quick. I think she got like dementia or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm glad she's alive. I'm pleased she's still alive. I'm not looking to you know, kill anybody off. No. Hugh so, Downs is dead. So he, he can't be in touch anymore. Is Charlie he Rose say, still living? He he is, but I, I suspect he's not. He's, he's probably going speed dating, but I don't think he's getting any dates. No. No. Yeah. No. no. My, so my favorite Expo's memory? Mm-hmm. Probably a different era than mine. Uh, no, we may have... I mean... Top of the list has to be the NBC game of the week. Tim Raines missed uh, a full mixed spring training and a full month of the season. Went, uh, what was it, four for six, five for six stolen base, a grand slam, beat the Mets in the 10th inning, and it was on. The, it was the NBC game of the week on American television. And Expos fans had always felt like they were barely invited to the baseball party. We had low self-esteem as a fan base. So to be, on the, to be the NBC game of the week was such a big deal. And then to win it, um, by way of Grand Slam and our favorite player on the planet, for many of their favorite player in Expos history, Tim Raines, uh, to go yard. Uh, that's 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 a really great memory. You? Mine's more of that. It, it's just a general memory of the entire 1981 season. I mean, I loved 79, 80, and 81. I was ravenous for the Expos. I kept scrapbooks daily of uh, what they were up to. And I you know, that was back when you actually followed, you, you pick up an actual hard copy newspaper and you look at the box scores and you'd yeah. look at the standings. I was actually clipping out the standings out. You know, the Expos are only two and a half back right now. And finally, in 81, they broke through. Because, I mean, 79 and 80, they, they it was like down to the last weekend. They were so close and lost to the Phillies and the Pirates in those two years. And yes. finally, finally, in 81, they, uh, in the, I guess it was, this, they had two parts of the season and the Expos won half of the season. The Phillies won the other. And they win in the little mini series they had, and uh, then it was off to the NLCS against the Dodgers and lost. Of course, you know they had that two-one series lead, the best of five, and Rick Monday hits the home run as the Dodgers win two straight to win the series and go on to win the World Series. I hated that, obviously, that one angle, but the magic of building up to that for the first time that the Montreal Expos went so deep that year and such an exciting team, and it is almost a crime that one of those 79, 80, 81 mm. teams didn't break through and win it all. Yeah, that's not a specific memory. So after all that, I'm going to have to say that uh, once again, I win. I'm the winner. And more importantly, you're a loser, not the loser, but a loser for that. Because that's not really a memory. I want right. something specific from you. You got to give me something specific. Well, the game where in that NLCS against the Dodgers where Ray Burris outduels Fernando Valenzuela, that blew my mind. Mm. I was very pumped about that. So, so another one would be Dennis Martinez's perfect game. The yep. day before, Mark Gardner pitched nine no-hit innings and lost it in the 10th. Yep. Uh, and I remember when, and then there was also the other Dennis Martinez game, the 22-inning game right. um, against the Dodge Dempsey went yard in the 22nd inning. I remember watching that game on a tiny, tiny little TV, like 10 inches, uh, which is huge, by the way. And uh I remember Dennis Martinez came in and my second or third pitch, he must have scuffed it like he always did because the ball just 
will row it in on Dempsey's hands perfectly, just on the inside part of the plate, and then he took it yard. So that's that's what you get for te- for cheating, Dennis. Love it. You know, my, you took me back to my favorite, one of my favorite baseball memories generally, and that was my first game I ever watched. You know what the first baseball game I ever watched was? It was actually my dad had set up. I'm not that old, but I'm old. But it was my dad set up. He just set up a black and white TV that we had laying around on on the desk in my bedroom. And the family was in watching a show I had no interest in. So I went my room, decided to watch black and white TV. And uh, it just happened to be the night that Reggie Jackson hit three home runs. Oh, no way. That was my first baseball game. I was immediately hooked. Oh, you are, man. And back then, there were only like three channels. That was uh, probably the most entertaining stuff to watch on TV. Now, there are 77 billion channels and watch whatever you want when you want. Yeah, I mean, lots of great. I was. I remember there was a game where Larry Walker had a moment. The ball was hit to right field in the air, and he pretended to catch the ball. I remember the, that, that play to keep the man on second base because he would have otherwise scored the winning run. Oh, so he pretended to catch one off the fence behind him, grabbed it. The guy had to stop at third, and then they got the Expos got the next player out, and that was the end of the inning. I thought you were going to tell me the one about uh, Larry Walker catching the ball with one out, thinking it was two out, and throwing the ball the to the kid in the stands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can go on all day. We got, I, I, I've already kept you way longer than I said I would. Eric, very pleased to catch can up with you. Can we do like an expo show uh, one day? Maybe. Sure, absolutely. Got, I, I do. Uh, I think I produce or host literally forty <laughs> episodes a month. What's a couple more? Let's do it. Uh, okay. No, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. It's no, it's no. Totally I, I wasn't being sarcastic. I'm all about it. It's good. Uh, Good stuff. All right, Eric, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Uh, It's my pleasure, man. Take care. All right, let's wrap it up there, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget our website is stevewproject.com. All kinds of cool stuff there. You can contact us. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback on the show, we would love to hear it. Our contact info is there. Patreon memberships as well. Um, And that will do it for today's show. Thank you for being with us, and we'll talk to you next time.